Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As always, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and we are live right now on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to this on audio as well, uh, a big hello to you guys. Uh, special hello to those that are with us in the live chat because you guys get to interact. Uh, I'll get to get your thoughts on the subjects that we discuss on the shows as we work our way through the final week building up to the Premier League season. Really, really looking forward to the big kickoff at the weekend. We had a lovely curtain raiser at the weekend, a win over Manchester City in the Community Shield final, albeit on penalties. That has lifted the mood, I think, uh, around Arsenal Football Club, just that little bit more. I know there was a lot of positivity anyway going into the new season. I'd kind of said to you guys that off the back of sort of the final pre-season um, friendlies, I just felt like we were a little bit off balance, like things weren't quite right. Actually, what I saw on Sunday gave me a lot of confidence that actually we are able when we need to and and when we sort of feel the importance and significance of a game to get back into shape and and restore that balance. But, you know, we've said it all along. The balance for me is only really there when you play with Rice and Partey. I think that was the difference. Um, at the weekend. I think it worked really, really well. And there were some in-game tweaks that Mikel Arteta made uh, as well with regards to when we pressed and when maybe we didn't, when we pushed up, when maybe we were a little bit more disciplined and dropped off. And all of that contributed to a, a good performance against Manchester City and then a victory in the penalty shootout. Now, we were going to bring you our season preview uh, show this evening. That was the plan. I'd set the stream up earlier today. Um, I'd sat down throughout the day making notes in terms of all the different things I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about expectation. I wanted to talk about who I think will be the player of the year, the top scorer, uh, the one to watch. I had all these categories that I wanted to touch on already. My notes are all prepared and I was ready to go. And then at around about, I don't even know what time it was. It was about five o'clock, wasn't it? Something like that. The David Ryan news broke. So what we've done is we've postponed the season preview until tomorrow. That link I created, it's still live. And that link uh, is where you can watch the season preview tomorrow evening. Uh, but for now, we're going to talk David Ryan because that is the breaking news. And everybody loves a bit of transfer chat. So I figured we'd do that. Uh, the season preview isn't as time sensitive as this. Uh, so here we are discussing the big news. David Raya is on his way to Arsenal. Before we get into it, let's say a few hellos because there are loads and loads and loads of you in the live chat already, which is great to see. Big hello to Junior, to Peter, Canterbury Guna. We've got MM, Temi, Clock and Seb, AFC, Damian Kelly's with us, Lars. Uh, we've got um, AFC, Charles, William Salibak, Darren's with us. Uh, who else? We've got Guillermo, Tommy, uh, Clock Orange, Salah Hadeen. There's so many of you. I'm not going to run through every name. Otherwise, that's all we do. Um, but thank you all so much for being live uh, alongside me. And a big thank you to everyone that will watch or listen to this back a little bit later on. So David Raya is on his way to Arsenal. The breaking news this evening dropped initially by Fabrizio Romano, followed on uh, by The Athletic as well. So this really, really is happening. David Raya is on his way to North London. Let's get into it. David Raya is headed for Arsenal. He is Arsenal bound after a couple of weeks now of speculation. Um, he'd been seen as a target for Arsenal actually for a long, long time. If you go back to even prior to us signing Aaron Ramsdale, David Raya was being talked about as potentially 
Arsenal's future number one goalkeeper. And the question is, what role exactly is he coming in to play at Arsenal? Is he coming in as the number one? Is he coming in as competition for Ramsdale? Is he coming in as a number two, but obviously with the scope and hope of taking on the number one shirt further down the line? I don't know. We're going to try and figure that out on this episode of the podcast, but let's bring you up to speed with all the latest information available. So, Arsenal have agreed a deal with Brentford in the region of £30 million for the transfer of the 27-year-old. He is expected to sign a five-year contract at Emirates Stadium. We understand that Bayern Munich were interested, but his preference all along was to join Arsenal. He played all 38 Premier League matches last season for Brentford, uh, who had the fifth best defensive record in the league, which is not to be sniffed at. We know he's got a link with Inaki Kanya, one of Arsenal's goalkeeping coaches. Uh, They have worked together in the past, and that was always part of the reason, I think, that he was so heavily linked with Arsenal. Well, it seems as though that connection has paid dividends here for the Gunners. Going the other way is Matt Turner. Um, Not going the other way in terms of going to Brentford, but he is going out of the club. He's leaving. He's going to Nottingham Forest. And that is a deal that's believed to be worth around about £10 million in total. So if you think about it, David Raya is costing us £20 million. We're paying £20 million out of our own pockets approximately in order to upgrade that goalkeeping position and improve our goalkeeping department. Now, we're going to come on and talk about it all in a lot more detail as the show goes on. We're going to get your comments and thoughts from the live chat. But I have been really, really pissed off, to be honest with you, over the last sort of 48 hours with regards to how this deal is being covered by the wider media, by pundits, by commentators, by, uh, you know, non-Arsenal fans, basically. Everybody keeps talking about the fact that, oh, you, you can't have two good goalkeepers. It just doesn't work. You know, you can't have two number ones. You can't have two goalkeepers that are anywhere near level in terms of their ability and quality. What a load of nonsense that is. Depth and competition are the two things that anybody putting a squad together strives to achieve. Those are the two biggest factors. If you want the strongest possible squad, you need to have depth and you need to have competition. Competition allows higher standards to breed. Competition allows or pushes players to be at their absolute maximum. Having someone breathing down your neck, if you really do have the elite mentality of an athlete, will push you to another level. That is what every sports coach aspires to have. Depth and competition. Unless it's Arsenal. And then it's a problem. And depth and competition is going to be our undoing, apparently. And it's going to cause disharmony in the dressing room and all the rest of it. What a load of nonsense uh, that kind of narrative is. And we've heard it so many times. Look, I did think when we were first linked with David Raya that actually, you know, maybe this would kind of clip Aaron Ramsdale's wings a little bit. But then I thought about what happens if Aaron Ramsdale gets injured. And do I trust Matt Turner to play in goal week in, week out for Arsenal? No, I don't. And that's not because he's a terrible goalkeeper. We've discussed this over and over again. It's predominantly and primarily because I don't think stylistically he fits in with what we want to do. So we have to be covered in that position. And if you're talking about a net spend of £20 million to get this goalkeeper in and have him replace Matt Turner, then that makes a lot of sense. How much would it have cost us to go out and get a half-decent goalkeeper? Certainly more than £20 million. A market opportunity has presented itself here. We've taken advantage of it and we've now got ourselves a very, very good goalkeeper to come in and fight for that number one spot, adding that depth in that area and the competition, all whilst upgrading our goalkeeping department on the whole. How is this a bad deal? How is this a bad deal? How is this a bad move? How does this have more downside than upside? Everybody else seems to think so, which is nuts as far as I'm concerned. When we started out in terms of our pursuit for David Raya, or at least when we as supporters got wind of it, I was told repeatedly that Brentford would not budge unless Arsenal met the value of £40 million. And I'd said repeatedly on radio shows to colleagues of mine, to friends of mine, no, this gets done at around about £30 million if Arsenal really want it. 
and David Raya really wants it. David Raya going into the final year of his contract has so much power over a club like Brentford. With all due respect to Brentford, I really like him. I really admire what they've done over the last few years. I think the way they operate is superb. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Thomas Frank on a number of occasions, uh, covering games of theirs for BBC London. And like, there's not a manager outside of the Arsenal sphere that I want to do well more than Thomas Frank, because I think he's a great guy. I think he's got a great philosophy, which comprises of kind of both ends of the scale in that they can play really nice and tidy stuff, but they also understand what they are and understand that their resource isn't as great as some of the other teams. And sometimes they use more direct and more physical tactics to level that playing field. Now, they're not a route one side by any means. They're not a side that just lump the ball up hopelessly. They are a side that do things in a really calculated way, even if it is playing the long ball game. And um, yeah, I admire them a lot. And I just think that, you know, the, the reality of the situation is that they don't have anywhere near the financial power that Arsenal do. And to have an asset like David Raya, for whom they could get around about £30 million, which is what we're said to be paying for him, and to kind of risk that deal blowing up, meaning that they'd lose him for free in 12 months, is not something that a club like Brentford would ever want to happen. And because Arsenal knew that, and because David Raya knew that, and because of the circumstances, I was always confident that we'd get this done at less than, the, you know, the... the um, the £40 million price tag that we kept being told about and hearing about repeatedly. And here we are with a deal in place for £30 million, which is really, really good stuff. He's going to come in. He's going to bring brilliant shot-stopping capabilities. He's going to bring uh, an ability to play the ball out from the back. He's got an excellent long passing range. He's got a lot of things that would work well in our system. And you don't fear now the possibility of Aaron Ramsdale picking up an injury. You don't fear making a change if you're Mikel Arteta, if you think that Aaron Ramsdale's form has gone off the cliff. Now, people will ask me, I'm sure that'll be one of the questions that we get later on in the show, who's the number one? Who should be the number one? To me, that question is one that can change. You know, this idea of you need to have a number one and you need to have a number two, yeah, okay. I understand that continuity allows you to build relationships with your backline and with your defence. And maybe continuity in the goalkeeping position is more important than on any other part of the pitch. I, I, I kind of accept that. But I also think having that ability to be able to turn to someone else when someone's out of form or unfit, uh, who you trust equally, is a really privileged position to be in. And make no bones about it. David Ryan knows the situation at Arsenal. And he was still willing to join the club and fight for that position regardless. So people want to question his mentality. I've seen a bit of that on social media today as well. What's he doing? Why is he going there to be a number two? Well, clearly he believes he's got enough about him to come here and fight for a place because a goalkeeper of David Raya's quality does not join a club like Arsenal just for a payday and just, um, you know, to sit around. You know, he will be there and he'll be fighting for a place. He'll be desperate, I'm sure, to get as much game time as he possibly can. And as I've said repeatedly over the last uh, few weeks with the Premier League, with the Champions League, the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, that is the FA Cup. There is plenty of football, plenty of football uh, for Mikel Arteta to spread the minutes between them. And uh, because they are similar in profile and because they play a similar way and they have similar attributes in many respects, the transition between one and another shouldn't really have that much impact on the way that we play. I mean, if you're Gabriel and Saliba and you're sitting in the heart of the defence and you're being pressed and you're under a bit of pressure, it's not like you can play a pass back to Aaron Ramsdale, but because it's David Raya, you won't do that. You'll think twice in the way that maybe it was when Matt Turner was in between the sticks. That won't be the case. If your brain and your instinct and your mind is telling you to play that pass back to your goalkeeper, even if he is going to be under a little bit of pressure... Those guys can rest assured that we've got a goalkeeper in the sticks now that can deal with that, that can deal with that just like Aaron Ramsdale can and vice versa. So, yeah, I'm I'm chuffed with this signing. I think it's really good value. I think, as I've said before, depth and competition are the two things that anybody putting a squad together aspires to achieve. 
apparently, though, when it's Arsenal, it's a problem. Everybody hates us and I love it because we are back. We really are back. Um, let's go over to the chat. Let's get some of your thoughts on this. Start filling up the chat box with your thoughts on David Raya uh, coming to Arsenal. Diallo uh, says, Harry, you spoke so well on Lee's channel yesterday. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Really, really do. He goes on to say, love everything you do on this channel and elsewhere. You're a top man and always speak your mind. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, mate. And really, really do appreciate all the support and love um, that so many of you have uh, for this channel. It's so great to turn up to do these and see so many people watching and comments and, and sort of meeting people when I go to games and stuff. It's amazing. So thank you uh, all so, so much for that. Um, just on Lee's channel, Lee Judges, that is Lee Judges TV. Go over there. I know a lot of you would have discovered my podcast in the first place from the same old Arsenal podcast, which me, Craig, Lee, Dan and Graham used to do. Um, the same old Arsenal is is no longer with Craig. Um, we don't do that channel anymore, but we are basically getting the band back together and we're doing the same show that we used to over on Lee Judges TV. Um, and we did the first one last night. Uh, it was a, a Monday night session. I think it was live at 9 p.m. I think that's the aim to do that every week. And listen, it, it doesn't matter what platform it's on. For me, it's just great to sit down with those guys and, and talk Arsenal again we had a good one last night, so check it out if you haven't done so already. But thank you uh, for that. Okay, um, let's see what we got. Uh, AFC John says, Raya and Ramsdale have nearly identical stats. The only big difference is the amount of successful distribution from Raya. 321 successful distributions compared to Ramsdale's 249. So this stat is a little bit misleading, and I'm going to explain why. I think I might have touched on this on a show in the last few days, but this is a little bit misleading. And the reason it is, is because David Ryer at Brentford is asked normally to go long, to go direct. Yeah, they build up from the back when they can, but often they go long. Um, and at times, Arsenal like to build up from the back. And at times, Aaron Ramsdale will try and clip a ball into midfield. Uh, we've seen him drive passes into the feet of the midfielders. We've seen him clip balls left and right out to the wingers. And the reason that this stat is is misleading is because for it to be a successful bit of distribution, whoever's on the receiving end of it has to win their duel and be able to bring the ball down under control or win a header, whatever. If your player fails to do that, then you don't get that credited to you as a successful bit of distribution. So if David Raya's clipping the ball up to Ivan Tony, for example, he's going to win a higher percentage of those long balls then Gabby Jesus would, just to use an example. And therefore, his distribution stat will look far stronger than Aaron Ramsdale's. I'm not saying that Raya isn't better at the long balls, and I'm not saying that this stat or, or this context should be completely ignored. But I am saying that the gulf probably isn't as big as that, su that statistic suggests because of those reasons. So just bear that in mind. But uh, thank you for highlighting that, um, John. Really, really appreciate it. Um, really, really do. Uh, Martin says uh, he thinks that uh, Raya will get the Cups and the Champions League. Yeah, that could well be the case. Um, we'll have to wait and see. It, it would be a bit of a kick in the balls for Aaron Ramsdale, wouldn't it, if he's sort of fought for Arsenal to get them back in the Champions League after all this time and then comes along and he doesn't get to play in it. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Junior Gunner says, anyone who is worried about his height, I remember another Spanish goalkeeper that you might remember called Casillas. He was about six foot and he wasn't bad. He was excellent, wasn't he? He really, really was. Uh, big thank you to Mike as well uh, for the shout out. Um, for some of the other work I've been doing, really, really appreciate it, mate. Um, big GZ says, um, once he gets his chance, Ramsdale needs to up his game. Yeah, Ramsdale does need to up his game, but... You know, make no mistake about it, right? When we went into the Community Shield final on Sunday, in which I thought Aaron Ramsdale was really good, made the penalty save, made a couple of good stops in the game as well. I thought he did really well to distribute the ball under pressure on a couple of situations as well. He would have gone into that game knowing full well that Arsenal are in advanced negotiations over David Raya. I am certain that Mikel Arteta has sat Aaron Ramsdale down and they've had a conversation about this. This wasn't Aaron Ramsdale woke up one morning opened the papers, saw that Raya was there and thought, oh shit, my position is up for up for grabs. And 
you know, I'm in, I'm in trouble here. That That's not how these things go. Mikel Arteta would have pulled Aaron Ramsdale in. There'd have been a discussion about their goalkeeping position. Mikel, I'm sure, would have said something along the lines of, and obviously I'm guessing, but you'd imagine it would have been something along the lines of, Aaron, this is not a slight on you whatsoever, but we've got an opportunity to upgrade our goalkeeping department by bringing in someone that we feel can compete with you. Because let's be honest, Matt Turner, as good as he looked at times and as good as some of the saves he's made come across and as good as he plays for the US men's national team and all the rest of it, he was never going to compete with Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale was on easy street. You know, he had his feet up. He was comfortable. Even when he had a bad game, he always knew that he didn't really have anybody breathing down his neck and therefore his position was safe. Things are different now. And Mikel Arteta, I'm sure, would have sold this to Aaron Ramsdale as something being done for the benefit of him as well, to keep him on his toes, to keep him pushing. And if he can continue to keep his levels really high, that even increases his chances of becoming England's number one, which he should be, in my opinion, by the way. So, you know, there will be no problem behind the scenes because of this. I I promise you there'll be no problem. Anybody who really believes in themselves and really aspires to be at the highest level is not afraid of competition. They thrive off it. It fuels them. It drives them. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think Aaron Ramsdale is that type of character. And look, I did have question marks around it when we first got linked. But the more I think about it, the more I think that this is a good thing. And then when I read that letter that Aaron Ramsdale put out via the Players' Tribune, that just confirmed to me what a huge character this guy is, how ballsy this guy is, you know. And and if you think that a bit of competition is going to completely derail him, then then I think you're not giving him enough credit. Bibu says it's more difficult to keep two great goalkeepers happy in comparison to outfield players, but it isn't impossible. Chelsea won the Champions League with Mendy and Kepa. Both are decent. Yeah, I agree with that. Look how much money Kepa cost. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Robert makes a really great point. He says, White, Timber, Tommy, uh, Gabriel, Zinchenko, even Saliba all have competition. So why not Aaron? Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, why not? Why not? Um, guys, quick one. If you haven't done so already, please, please do leave a like on the video. Uh, it really, really does help. There's over 500 of you with me live right now on YouTube alone. And there's only 108 likes on the board. If we could drive that up to 300 likes, I'd be so, so chuffed. Please do leave a like on the video, subscribe, all of the rest of it. It really, really does help. And if you're listening to us on audio, uh, then please do leave us a review as well. We're going to take a really short pause and we're going to dive back into the chat box. Let's get your thoughts. Let's get your questions on David Raya and everything Arsenal. Start filling up the chat box. You guys dictate the rest of this show. Okay, um, let's see what we've got here. Uh, Creambone says, wasn't totally on board with the Raya signing, but this actually makes us bulletproof in yet another position. Even more believing that the title or the Champions League is ours this season. I thought that you were going to write the title and the Champions League. Uh, (laughs) um, That would have been a little bit ambitious. But yeah, look, there's no reason why we shouldn't be starting to believe that we can compete for the game's biggest prizes. We know nothing's a given. We know that it's going to be difficult. We know that while the squad is bigger and seemingly better, that poses other challenges, like, as many have pointed out, trying to keep people happy. That's another element of management. That's another thing that Mikel Arteta is going to have to master. That's another string that he's going to have to add to his bow. Now, he's not really been in this luxurious position up until this point as a manager where he's had options in different positions. But he's been at a club where that was a thing. He's worked under a manager who had an embarrassment of riches and who would have taught him a lot, I think, about the, finding that balance and keeping people happy. So, yeah. And, and look, at the end of the day as well, we keep talking about this rotation thing and that it's something new for Mikel Arteta and it's something that he's going to have to get to grips with. Rotation becomes a lot easier when you've got players that you trust. And he now has a group of players that he trusts and he will have options in different positions that he trusts. That wasn't always the case. And so we might think that Mikel Arteta is against rotation as a concept. He probably isn't. 
He probably just didn't feel that he could do it. And now that he can, I'm sure he's going to enjoy having that luxury and that option. The more decisions you have to make, sometimes the more likely you are to make mistakes. And I totally accept that. And I do worry about that a little bit. But you've got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's putting together this group and this squad very deliberately. And um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. So, yeah. Um, uh, 2K10, Sean says, thoughts on Ramsdale's interview with ITV? I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't seen that, but I will check it out. And then I will report back with my thoughts. <laughs> on that. Uh, William Salibak says, Harry, the fact that the number of games in the Champions League is increasing from next season, did that have a role in convincing Rye for game time? That's a really bloody good point. Of course, the Champions League changes format after this upcoming season. Not for the good, by the way. There's going to be more games, which again, you know, increases the need for a bigger squad. So uh, yeah, that, that could have been a factor. It could have been a factor. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Troy says Arsenal are on the rise. They just need another midfielder that can play winger and need competition for Saka and Martinelli. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this last night on on the show with the guys. And one of the things or one of the areas I'm still a little bit concerned about is the centre of midfield, probably more than the striker position, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people talk about what happens when Jesus isn't there. Well, we saw that Havertz can play there. We know that Trossard can. We know that Martinelli can. Mikel Arteta has even spoken of Emil Smith-Rowe playing as a false nine. Not that I'm wanting that, but it is something that he has in his mind, at least. So, um, yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. Look, I don't think we're going to sign any more, and I don't think we would have signed David Raya had this opportunity not presented itself. This, for me, feels like one that wasn't part of the plan going into the summer, but instead was one that cropped up as an opportunity and given the player's quality and the price that he was available for, it was one that Arsenal felt was too good to turn down. I'd say bringing in another goalkeeper was probably on the list for next summer, maybe, or even January. Sometimes when an opportunity presents itself that you really like, then you accelerate certain processes. And that's what they've done uh, by bringing in uh, David Raya this summer, I think. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Dwayne says, just liked... People get onto Edu about deals. But after completing Raya, he would have got two goalkeepers for at least £10 million less than Kepa. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, Don Juan says, did you watch Hybrid Squad with Nick Ramsdale on it? I did. I did. It was really, really good. Check it out. Uh, go over and have a look at the Hybrid Squad. It's a great channel. Um, Sophie and Kevin do a wonderful, wonderful job there. Um, let's take this one from Salah Hadeen. Uh, we're going to move a little bit away from David Raya. I'm sensing based on... Uh, the questions. Um, after seeing Arsenal versus Man City, are you better convinced that Arteta is close to his first eleven after a better performance than against Monaco? Unpredictability is vital. You must agree now. Yeah, unpredictability, flexibility. They're things that you want as a coach, right? Um, yeah, the performance was much better than the one against Monaco, of course, which looked disjointed. The team that he selected against Monaco, I knew wasn't going to be the same team that started against City in the Community Shield either. So we had to factor that in as well. But my concerns about the balance of the side in the midfield and maybe the left-back position, the things that are highlighted, didn't really come solely from the Monaco game. It came from the games I'd seen prior in pre-season where I just thought we were a little bit um, confused and a little bit out of sorts. But look, Timber looks like he's going to start the season at left-back. I think he should. I think he deserves it. Uh, after that performance on Sunday, I love Kieran Tierney, but, you know, the talk of him moving is getting louder and louder. Real Sociedad, the latest club, said to hold an interest in the Scottish international defender. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't know where he's going to end up. But what is apparent is that he's not going to play this inverted role in the way that Zinchenko does and in the way that Yuri and Timber, I think, proved he can as well, um, you know, uh, at, at, on on Sunday and, and over the course of preseason. Shake Mikel, <laughs> love this as a screen name, <laughs> says, could we have avoided all of this by keeping Martinez? No. Um, and the reason why, first of all, Martinez has got an ego the size of North America. So he was never going to ever be willing to play second fiddle to anybody. He was never going to be patient when someone else was doing well. So, like, for example, right, Aaron Ramsdale continues as the number one. 
does really, really well, has blinder after blinder after blinder after blinder, and the team are winning games. A goalkeeper doesn't really have, a, or any player for that matter, doesn't really have a leg to stand on or a case to make when things are going right. The manager's made the decision with regards to who his goalkeeper is. I think at the start of the campaign, it will be Ramsdale. Arteta's made that decision. While Arsenal are winning, not conceding silly goals, and he's performing well, that goalkeeper or whoever it is on the sidelines has to be patient, has to do everything within their power, take any opportunities that come their way, but also be busting their balls in training to make a case and to be ready whenever that opportunity comes along. You can't go knocking on Mikel Arteta's door arguing that you should start when the team's winning and the goalkeeper's performing. And you can bet your bottom dollar that's what Emi Martinez would have been doing had he stuck around. I'm not saying he's a bad goalkeeper. I think he's actually a good goalkeeper. He's that old school traditional goalkeeper in terms of his style that I really, really like. Big, dominant, strong, aerially really, really good and powerful, all the rest of it. I love that stuff. But with his feet, he's not so good. And whether you like it or not, that is a real big thing for Mikel Arteta and the way that he wants to play the game. And he just wasn't suited. That's why Leno stayed. He wasn't suited either in the end, and he had to be moved on too. But he was better suited than Martinez. Plus, he wasn't going to be knocking on the door every day like um, Martinez, causing a problem. And that's when you need to sort of address these dressing room dynamics. I'm not saying it's bad to back yourself and it's bad to want to play. Everyone should want to play. But sometimes you have to bide your time. And, um, you know, everybody talks about the Martinez story as if it's some hero story. He had years and years and years and years to prove to Arsenal that he was a good enough goalkeeper. And at no point did he do that, apart from on a run of 12 games. Um, And, yeah, he's gone on to bigger and better things. He's a World Cup winner. Congratulations to him. I mean. I still think that Argentina as a nation, and, and this might sound salty, but you know what? I'm going to say it anyway. I think Argentina as a nation, generally, while I've been growing up, have, have struggled for world-class goalkeepers. And Martinez found himself in the team. Good luck to him. He deserves it based on the competition that he was up against. And um, yeah, there he is. Um, yeah, there he is. You know, he's, he's doing his thing, but he's not an Arsenal goalkeeper. Uh, Jon Tora Fjeldstad says, Harry thinks that Mr. Arteta knows more about football than us, the average fan. Of course he does. Of course he does. Um, that's why we sit here and he sits there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's facts. <laughs> uh, Mafia Boss says, um, what's going on with the Kudus deal? And there's a few of you that have brought up Kudus, um, in the chat. So we'll talk about that. Briefly, so we heard the other day, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Brighton uh, had agreed a fee um, for Kudus. Uh, hold on a second. Let me just bring that story up so I can make sure I'm giving you the right information. Here we go. So Brighton uh, apparently have reached an agreement in principle with Ajax for Mohamed Kudus. Brighton have reached um, an agreement based on a price of around about 40 million euros, 34 and a half million pounds, roughly, that translates to. As far as we know, that hasn't progressed any further, but it could have done, and we just don't know about it yet. Brighton are understood to be negotiating personal terms with the player right now. Some are suggesting that Mohamed Kudus' first choice is not Brighton. And so, although the agreement has been reached in principle between the two clubs, the player is not totally convinced yet because he may believe that there are other clubs waiting in the wings that could still um, come in for him and could still um, and and could still, you know, meet Ajax's asking price and therefore progress in a conversation around him potentially going there. So, look, we're going to have to wait and see. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if Arsenal are dead interested in, in Mohamed Kudus, and that is serious and concrete, as Fabrizio Romano likes to say, then Brighton are not an issue because we can afford to pay as much as them. We can certainly afford to pay more in wages than them. And we are certainly a more appealing place to be right now than they are. Now, they've done great, wonderfully, brilliant. They're on the up. They're a fantastically run football club. That's not to take anything away from them, but they are not the Arsenal. And so 
you know, Arsenal has never been more attractive, certainly not in the last decade than it is today. So I don't believe for a second that if Mohamed Kudus had the option of Brighton or Arsenal, he'd join Brighton, which suggests that if Brighton have agreed this deal, they've been able to do that because Arsenal aren't there. Some of the other clubs that have been linked, Chelsea probably aren't there either. Maybe those clubs will come to the party a little bit later on. Maybe that's what the holdup is here. Maybe Mohamed Kudus and these people know that. I don't know. But I don't think that if Arsenal really wanted Mohamed Kudus, there'd be any chance of him going to Brighton. So if he goes there, it's probably because we didn't want him, Arteta didn't want him, Edu didn't want him as much as the fan base do. And that's why you have to be careful with some of these reports because we've been led down this path on numerous occasions. We've heard of an interest in a player. We've all got big time on board with it. Can't wait for them to come in. We all get excited and then they end up going elsewhere. And the truth is that not all the time, but on some of those occasions, what's actually happened is that Arsenal have decided against progressing their interest rather than, um, rather than you know, that player just choosing another club or, or over us or whatever. Uh, Daniel Bailey TV, uh, give Daniel a follow and a subscribe uh, on social media. Um, and uh, on, uh, of course, YouTube, um, brilliant channel. Daniel's a great guy as well. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your super chat, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. He says, why are we scrutinized more than any other team? I think that's just what comes with the territory. Uh, when you're punching at the top, that's what happens. Um, when you're punching down, that's what you get. Uh, people wanting to pull you down, tear you down. And it does feel like Arsenal are under a lot of scrutiny at the moment. Look, we've had a really good, positive, busy transfer window and we've been top of the headlines for the majority of the summer. There's a lot of talking points around Arsenal Football Club, and we are a club with a huge fan base. That means more clicks, more online engagement, all the rest of it. Media people, media companies, they know that. And uh, and that's why they play on, on the Arsenal subjects. But yeah, we are under a lot of scrutiny, and sometimes it gets under my skin. This whole thing about having two good goalkeepers being a bad thing has driven me absolutely mad. Uh, absolutely mad. Uh, Junior Gunner says, Harry, I've done way more with Arsenal on three in three years on Football Manager than Mr. Arteta. Bold of you to assume he knows more than me. <laughs> well, I took Barnet Football Club on Championship Manager 2003-2004. Still the best football manager game ever, by the way. Um, the, 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 the older people in the chat will remember that one. Uh, like me, I took Barnet all the way up to the Premier League. And then I got relegated and then I got pissed off and deleted the save uh, because of it. But yeah. <laughs> um, Zed Tom says, uh, Mikel wanted Raya before Inaki Kanya arrived. There were rumours of that. Yeah. Um, but I think Inaki Kanya's arrival certainly helped here. Um, and, and he would have reinforced if Mikel Arteta had that belief at the time that he was a good goalkeeper for us. Inaki Kanya, I'm sure, would have reinforced that um, and uh, and helped in that. Uh, Don Juan says, agreed, championship manager uh, is the one. Uh, William Salibak says, Harry, do you think Timber will start next week or will he get lost in the forest? Timber will <laughs> will absolutely start. Um, he'll be as solid as wood and he'll, uh, he'll stand tall at left back. <laughs> yeah, I think he plays. I think he plays and I think he deserves to as well. Uh, let's take this one from Zek. Keep your questions coming, guys. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Let's go. We'll go for another, what, 10, 15 minutes. Just keep them coming. We'll work our way through as many as we possibly can. Let's take this one from uh, Zek. Will Trossard start over Martinelli? Martinelli can be a constant danger, threatening to break any moment. But he's very wasteful at times. Also really bad at taking corners. Um, okay, so I think they bring different things. I think that Martinelli brings a directness, brings pace, and brings um, a dynamism that I just love and an explosiveness that I absolutely love. But I agree that on some occasions it isn't the thing that we need. And I thought that that was probably the case against Man City the other day. You come up against Carl Walker, your pace becomes less of a an advantage. And I think we needed a bit more guile, a little bit more trickery, a, a bit more clever movement. And I think that Trossard brings that. Right. So there will be times where Trossard is better suited. But Martinelli had such an incredible season last season. I think it would be unfair to take him out of the side now. I think that bo both of them can share that position. And we keep talking about it. It's about minutes 
rather than who starts and who doesn't. I mean, if Trossard comes on after an hour every week, he's going to play a fair chunk of minutes, right? So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really, uh, really chuffed that we've got both of those options. I think Trossard's been our best player in preseason. And there's an argument that he deserves to start for that reason. But I don't know if anybody saw, did anybody see that Zinchenko interview with Rio Ferdinand on the Five channel on YouTube uh, the other day? It was really, really good. And Zinchenko was talking about what his role is as an inverted fullback and what he does. And basically, this is, I, I'll, I'll link it to Martinelli. Bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this. But what he said was, he asked Rio the question back and he said, if you were the winger playing against me and I'm playing left back like initially, but I'm obviously drifting in field and I make that run inside, what do you do? Do you come with me or do you stay wide? Because if you come with me, I've done my job because what I've now done is cleared the left-hand side so that if we work the ball out to Martinelli, he is one-on-one -on -one with your fullback. And eight times out of 10, Martinelli beats his man. So I've done my job. Or do you stay out wide? Because you will be in space and able to attack um, if, if your team can work the ball out to you without the attention of a left back. And what he said to that was, well, if they stay wide, then I become an extra body in midfield and we don't need to play down the flanks. We can play through the middle with the extra man. So it's a win-win situation. I thought it was really interesting that he highlighted exactly what they stand or hope to achieve by bringing the fullback inside over and over again. And if you're talking about playing in a way that is geared up to isolate a fullback, I don't think there's anybody in the Premier League that you want running at a fullback in an isolated situation than Gabriel Martinelli because he wins most of those duels and most of those battles. So that's what Martinelli brings to the table. And clearly, tactically, he, he plays a big part as well. Uh, let's take this one from Badsy Bourbon. In fact, we're going to take a really short pause and then we'll take this one from Badsy Bourbon. Uh, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. Hold on, let's check in where we are at on the likes. Oh, come on, guys. There's only 200 on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 300 likes on the board. Like, subscribe, all the rest of it. Going to take a really, really, really short pause and we'll be back to continue working through your questions. Okay, let's take this one from uh, Badzi Bourbon. The Bitello links have gone awfully quiet. Was there anything there or was it all paper talk? don't know um it's the truth i mean when you think about it and we did say this at the time when these rumors were doing the rounds there, none of the english journalists none of those that are plugged into arsenal not your david ornstein's not your charles watts none of those guys um none of those guys reported that arsenal were in advanced talks over bitello that was something that kept coming from the brazilian side now i wouldn't say that it's completely dead or I wouldn't go as far as saying it's false at this stage because, you know, the window's still open, a lot can happen. But, you know, it doesn't feel like like this is happening and, and the longer this goes on without us actually hearing anything concrete around it, the more I think maybe it was a bit of a red herring. But we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, Temi Ola says, aren't you a bit surprised and impressed that players are now rejecting clubs for us? Raya rejected Spurs and Bayern to join us. Yeah, I mean, it shows you how far we've come. And not only how far we've come in terms of how we feel as fans, but how we're perceived by the wider footballing world, which is important. Very important because you want your brand to have that appeal. You want your club to have that pull. And it certainly feels like we've got that again. And as long as we continue on the right trajectory and we continue to challenge and push and, and get better and stronger and keep doing the right things. And look, I know this maybe sounds a bit cheesy and all the rest of it, but it's not just about what we're doing on the pitch. It's about the culture as well. It's about the unity that everybody can clearly see. The Amazon doc, which I thought was a terrible idea when we agreed to do it, open the doors to Arsenal Football Club, open the doors to what Mikel Arteta is really like. And people were watching and people mocked us at the time and people mocked Mikel Arteta and some of the things that he did and, and some of the methods which came across as a little bit mad and crazy and all the rest of it. But Ultimately, it showed people that this is a guy who has the potential to be great, a guy who has built something really, really special. And then you see Arsenal progressing on the pitch as well. 
and you hear how everybody talks about him and how everybody talks about the environment at Arsenal Football Club now, we're a really, really appealing prospect as a result of that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm delighted. I really am. Uh, Tom says, uh, Harry, who starts up front for you against Forrest, Havertz, Nketiah, Trossard or Holdinho? I'm not going to answer that one. I'm going to save it for the match preview show uh, that we're going to do on Thursday uh, where we'll break it down. Um, so I'll leave that one for now. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Trev says, if we're in the same position as last season with seven, eight games to go, do you believe we could get over the line with this squad? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, watching the Community Shield, and I know I said it on the review show, you you kind of sat there and thinking, wow, this is great. Look at William Saliba go. But at the same time, there was this feeling of regret that came over me. I felt a little bit sick thinking about the fact that he was missing at the end of the season because had he not been, I think we'd have won it. I really do. I think he's that good. I think he's that transformational in the heart of our defence. He brings that calmness and composure which seemed to evade us at the end of last season. And to have him there would have made all the difference, I think, OK, you know, you, you're always going to have players that are so outstanding that you just can't replace them. Like You're never going to have a level of depth where everybody is as good as everyone. Like we have depth in the wide positions, but we don't have a winger that is as good as Bukayo Saka, for example. Sometimes when you have outstanding players, you, you just got to accept that that's the way it's going to be. But now White could play there or Timber could play there or Tomiyasu, as long as he's fit, could play there. Kivior could come into the back line. There are options there now. And uh, and that obviously gives you encouragement. Cass says, with Raya coming in, what will happen to Runison and Hein? Um, do you know what? I had high hopes for Hein. Hasn't really had many opportunities, but when he has played, he, he hasn't convinced, has he? Um, so I'm starting to question whether or not he uh, he can be a goalkeeper for Arsenal in the future. As for Runison, the sooner we get him off the books, the better, uh, with all due respect. <laughs> Uh, Wes Bird says, Harry, are you concerned that Arteta seems to refuse to either substitute Saka or not leave him out of the first 11 uh, to maybe rest him? Your thoughts? I think with Champions League football, at some point, Bukayo Saka is going to have, a, have to have a break. Maybe it'll be in the domestic cups. I don't know, but I think that will change. The stronger the squad gets, the more trust that Mikel Arteta has in the alternatives, the more likely that is going to be. But it kind of ties in nicely with what I was just saying about William Saliba in that sometimes you have players that are so bloody good that there is no alternative, right? And and that's kind of where I feel we're at with Bukayo Saka um, at this stage. Guys, we still haven't hit the 300 likes. Come on, we're about 50 away. Smash the like button. There's over 700 of you with us live right now. Uh, that should be easily achieved. Uh, Russ says, do you see Ben White getting significantly reduced minutes this season with Timber coming in and Saliba seemingly first choice centre-back next to Gabriel? I actually think that Ben White is, is still the first choice right back and should be until there's reason to to do something different. Um, I think he's, I think last season, Ben White was one of our top three most consistent performers. I think he was that bloody good um, at right back. I think he was excellent. So for me, no, uh, for me, he's still um, the number one <laughs> junior gunner referring to my comment earlier. Solid as wood, Harry. That's a bit sus, mate. Yeah, I, I didn't have time to think about it, man. It was literally on the spot. Uh, not my best pun, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's take a couple more uh, before we say goodbye. Uh, remember, like, subscribe. Subscribing is really, really important, guys. Come on. Um, we are very close to 29,000 here on YouTube. Uh, we've got a load more on, of course, uh, the audio platforms, which is amazing. Uh, but we're hoping to get to 30,000 on YouTube really, really soon. Um, as I say, we're I think 70 or the way from hitting at 29,000, which means we'd be within a thousand of that target uh, that we were hoping to achieve uh, in the near future. Let's have a look now. Yeah, look, we're 60 away now, uh, which means we're even closer, which means a few of you have signed up uh, during this episode as well, which is great. So, uh, yeah, give it a go. Uh, subscribe. Subscribing is free, by the way. You can become a member if you want to uh, on the Another Slice platform, and there's going to be uh, some content coming your way over the course of the season exclusive to members, but um, just subscribe on YouTube for free as well. Um, that really, really does help. Okay. Uh, Dial Square says, why does Ivan Tony feel like the final piece of the jigsaw to me? It would be ironic if Ivan Tony came to Arsenal, wouldn't it, after his comments about us in the past and 
uh, our reaction to a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, look, he would be a good option, that's for sure. But obviously, his situation at the moment means he's not available for the first half of the season, pretty much. And um, and I think that would have put a lot of potential buyers off. I, I do think Ivan Tony probably would have been sold this summer. Obviously, Brentford would have wanted to keep him and all the rest of it. But I do think that somebody would have come in with a substantial bid because he's done it long enough now in the Premier League to prove himself as a really, really good player. And and I think that there will be a lot of clubs that would have been sniffing around. Um, but obviously, that situation has probably put that all on hold, which is unfortunate for him as well. But look, rules are rules. And, and if you break them, then, you know, you have to, of course... Uh, pay the price unfortunately what what the main thing is with that is that he gets the help that he needs because he's obviously had an issue um and um i can be sympathetic to that you know we all have our issues so yeah um he'll be back soon i'm sure banging in goals in the premier league and leading the line for brentford where he ends up beyond that uh, we'll have to wait and see uh essen says harry People complained Arteta threw away the cups by rotating too much, but then say he doesn't rotate enough and rest players for the end of the season. So which is it? Yeah, it's um, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because um, because I, as I said earlier, I thought he didn't rotate or I think he hasn't rotated as much because he doesn't trust in the alternative options that he has at his disposal. And that's obviously a big deal. That's a big thing. If you don't trust in the players that you're expected to rotate with, then you're going to be reluctant to do that, aren't you? Um, so, yeah. I don't have an issue with him sort of prioritizing the league um, and the Europa League last season over the domestic cups and the same the season before, because I know we had a season where we weren't in Europe, but I don't have an issue with him prioritizing certain competitions because ultimately the goal was to get back in the Champions League. And so, of course, he's going to prioritize the routes that have that on offer. Winning the Carabao Cup does not get you in the Champions League. Winning the FA Cup does not get you in the Champions League. So naturally, if your goal as a football club is to get back in the Champions League, they are going to fall down the pecking order in terms of uh, how much you prioritise them. But anyway, guys, uh, I think I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much. We've been going for the best part of an hour. Uh, great to see so many of you live alongside me. Look, we're 12 likes away from that 300 target that I set. Come on, just hit the like button. Doesn't cost a thing. Really, really helps me. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. As I say, uh, we're closing in on 29,000 and then we can begin that final ascendancy, hopefully up to the 30,000 mark here on YouTube alone. Um, as I always say, that doesn't include all the wonderful people that listen on Spotify. And believe me, there are as many people that listen on the audio as there are on YouTube. So I'm just as grateful for all of you guys as well. I, I never want you to feel unloved or anything like that. Like, subscribe, share, all the rest of it. Leave your thoughts in the comments section below if you're watching this back on playback. And I will see you all tomorrow with our season preview, unless there's any more breaking news that throws a curveball an hour or so before we're scheduled to go live. But yeah, looking forward to that one um, and looking forward to hearing what you guys think about the upcoming season as well via the live chat. I'll catch you all tomorrow. Until then, have a great evening. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.